but I felt a really strong call to go to Bible college, which I did for two years. Um, and during that period there, I, I had to sort of agonise whether I should go on in, into the ministry and become a minister or whether I would go back and work in the family business. Um, at the end, I, I decided that I was probably more suited to going back into the family business and working there. So that's what I did. But I didn't feel a strong call to it at all. Um, but it, it sort of eventuated over the years and things changed and opportunities became available. And with my father and, and brothers, etc., we were able to establish ourselves on the central coast of New South Wales in transport operations and real estate development. So it sort of just took over from there, Matt. Now, you do have a whole range of different businesses uh, that you're involved with. Uh, one of them that I heard about recently that I've got to ask you about is you're now involved with the double-decker buses in London. Now, how's an Aussie businessman end up uh, running a, a whole bunch of double-decker buses in London? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think the opportunity arose because we, we had been in touch. Well, first and foremost, we, we operate public transport services in Perth and in Adelaide and just won a contract to start running some buses in Sydney. And the transport industry is fairly close-knit around the world, as a lot of people know what's going on in other parts of the world, and we were approached by some people in London to have a look at a business that was for sale over there, which my one of my business partners did, went over and investigated it, thought it was a good opportunity, and we've ended up buying that business, which was part of the first group, which is a large English company, and we bought 413-odd buses, uh, double-decker buses and some single-decker buses to operate in the inner city of, of London. Sounds like a lot of buses, Matt, but in actual fact, there are 8,000 buses running around London. So oh, really? 400, 400 is not too many when you look at it in that sense. <laughs> Do you want to take over all 8,000 one day? Uh, no, thanks. <laughs> well, isn't that amazing to know that, uh, you know, someone in London on a double-decker bus, you know, you could be riding on one of the buses owned by Graham from Australia. <laughs> yeah. That is fantastic. And uh, you also got a whole bunch of different uh, interests in uh, uh, the uh, Renaissance Retirement Living. Tell us a bit about that, that organisation. Yes, uh, we, we built a, a retirement village in the, at Victoria Point here in Brisbane. And uh, at this stage, it's about two-thirds completed with about 220 villas, over 300 when we finish. Uh, we've been working on that since well, I purchased the land there in 1988. We started construction in 2004, and we're still going. So it's quite a large project, as I said. Um, there are a lot of bits to a retirement village that you've got to fit. At the moment, we're looking at the service department complex and how we might... Um, provide ongoing care to the retirement village but it's been very successful so far and we're very proud of it it's a beautiful village and we have a lot of lovely residents down there that uh, really enjoy the place and might even go in there one day myself pretty soon we think but anyway <laughs> another point now graham being a christian businessman uh you would have a lot of different uh, issues that you'd wrestle with, uh, with regards to integrity and honesty and uh, being generous and uh, trying to, you know, uh, see business as a mission, not just as a way to make money. And um, I just want to pick your brain a little bit in the interview today, if I can. Uh, uh, we went to a, a lunch together recently and saw Andrew Forrest speak at the Queensland Parliament House. Uh, and he uh, is one of Australia's richest men uh, with uh, Fortescue medals. And he shared that the New Testament is his guide for business. Can you just unpack that a little bit uh, for our listeners? Um, how could a Christian businessman 
apply the principles of the New Testament uh, to their business. So just just uh, just speak into that for us, would you? Well, I, I mean, I can't speak for Andrew Forrest, but the way I would unpack it for my life is that the, the commandment that the Lord gave us, that we should love our fellow man. And I think in business, we need to have that as the guiding principle that whatever we do is to benefit our fellow man. And there are a lot of opportunities to, to do the wrong thing in business. And I think when you do that, the business suffers for it. But you also have a lot of opportunities to do um, above and beyond and, and to help and to assist others. Uh, we've built our business on, on the basis of integrity, integrity and transparency and wanting to honour our fellow men and to serve them in whatever way we can. That could come down to the actual service of the, the business itself. It comes down to being able to give generously in lots of situations because we're just in that position to help those in need and different charities, etc. We've been able to help over the years. Matt, I, I remember as a young uh, manager of one of the family businesses when um, uh, when I just started out in, the, in my business career and my father was a very strong Christian and he said to us at one stage that at the end of the year we, we were sitting with our accountants looking at the profit, um, profit and loss statement, the balance sheet and all the rest of the stuff you look at and Dad said, well, you know, we need to give. We've, we've been blessed this year and, and we need to give. And, and he gave a, an exceptionally large amount of money, which shocked me because I thought, Dad, you know, we've got to have enough money left to run the business. And he said, God is no man's debtor. And so we gave. And I think from that point on, we've been incredibly blessed by God um, because of the heart of my father, really, and his generosity. But he taught me that. And I hope that I've been able to teach my children that with my wife. And I think God just returns a blessing abundantly beyond all our expectations. And, and that's how we've found it over the years. So it's just being able to live the principle of, of loving your fellow man. And if you love your fellow man and you respect him, then you won't try to rip him off, Matt. And um, you'll do the right thing by him and, and your staff, etc. And our business has been built by incredibly loyal people working for us who... Uh, whilst many of them have not been Christians, I think they've caught the 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 idea of going forward and on that basis, and it's been good to see the change in many of their lives. I'm just remembering um, this lunch we were at with, with Andrew Forrest, and uh, there was a an interesting moment where one of the guys from the crowd asked him a question. He said, you say you believe in the New Testament. Uh, there's a verse in there where Jesus said, it's easier for a rich man uh, sorry, it's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And uh, Andrew gave quite a good explanation that uh, often in the cities uh, there was four large gates, but then there was a night gate where uh, you could squeeze through if you were on a camel, for example, and that was called the eye of the needle. And he said, well, so it's not impossible, but it's just difficult because there are a lot of extra pressures that you face when you're wealthy. Uh, you, you think it's all about yourself. You think that you know, you're know you self-important and you can become prideful. And he says, so it's not impossible. It's just a lot more difficult. Uh, would you agree with the, the, state, the, the answer that he gave to that? Uh, yes, I would completely. I, I would probably phrase it a little differently, Matt. I, I think that the problem with when someone makes a lot of money, they become, as you just said, very proud. And I think God hates pride. Mm. And what I saw in Andrew the other day at the lunch was an incredible humility mm. for a man to be as rich as he is, but still be so concerned about his fellow man, especially in his case, the Aboriginal communities and Aboriginal people that he wants to work with. 
So I think that anyone, I mean, the whole idea of, of richness is, you know, relative. One man thinks $100,000 makes you rich. Another man thinks it's a million dollars. And, you know, I mean, someone with $50,000 in the bank is probably rich compared to someone who's struggling as as a refugee in Africa or something. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I think personally what the Lord was talking about there was pride. And if, if you make you know, do well and become rich and you think you're superior to other people, then you're on a slippery slope straight away. You're on a downward hill. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think it comes back to pride. I think you can have very rich people that are still humble like Andrew Forrest. And and I think that they'll, they'll be in heaven for sure. Mm. It, it really comes down to that pride issue, I think. Yeah, that's very mind. good. Um, now, years ago, I was working as a sales manager at a radio station, and uh, we had all sorts of clients and budgets, and 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 you know we had to you know go and see so many uh, clients a day to try and get our budget and everything. And uh, I, I was all about just making the money and making the budget at the time. And I read a book by Ed Silvoso uh, called Anointed for Business, and it just transformed the way that I looked at my work. Uh, I realized that I wasn't just called to make money and make budget and, and have lots of clients and be successful. I was actually called to uh, reach out to people with the love of God, to have a purpose to glorify God in uh, in the work that I was doing at the time. And it actually changed everything for me because after I started to seek God first in all of my relationships with my clients, I actually got blessed and did better than I did before. Um, have you found that you've had, uh, you know, similar revelations in business that you're actually there to to glorify God and to reach out to people rather than just to make money? Absolutely. Um, I think if, in my life I've had to be a little bit careful with the reaching out. That can be viewed in, in in a bad way sometimes. But I think Matt, what they've got to see is the reality and the truth of what you believe in the way you live your life. If they if they can't see that there's truth there and honesty and integrity, then then the, your whole witness is a joke. So you know it's really living that life that Christ wants us to live is, is the issue. And in in living it, then when when you're working with people day in day out for many many years together, then they can see if you know what you say with your words is is how you live your life and how truthful you are. And Yes, opportunities do come at times to witness openly, with, with verbally, um, but it's also they've got to see the reality and the truth in the way that you live. In things like you don't rip people off, you, you pay your full taxes, etc. Mm. Um, and honesty is is in, very important that they see that. Otherwise, the whole thing becomes a farce, doesn't it? If, if the truth is not in your words mm. and in your life. Now, Graham, before we wrap it up, uh, I just wanted to ask, you know, you shared before about how you had a, a conversion experience to Christ uh, in your, uh, you know, uh, late, teen, late teenage years. You're in business and you were really lonely and you really felt that uh, you needed a relationship with God. Uh, for those that are listening that have never become a Christian, that have never actually understood what the gospel is, uh, would you share with our listeners what is the gospel and how do people respond to it? Okay, well, the gospel to me is that uh, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of, of the living God um, and in acknowledging that he is the Saviour, that he has come to pay the price for my sins and my wickedness, my rebellion against God, my desire to make myself more important than God or think that I'm more important than God, and he's replaced that with his righteousness. So he's taken my rags and put, and I've taken on his, his robes of righteousness. 
it just flows from that, I think, the, the fact that you recognise him as the son of the living God. And then in doing that, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And in, in that verse, I think you have it all. If you recognise Jesus as the son of the living God, you accept him as your saviour and your Lord. You ask him for forgiveness for your sins and to put on his righteousness that he, he got for us at the cross. Through his own suffering and death, he paid the price. Then you're saved. and You're, you're either a son or a daughter of the living God, a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. That's very good news. And, uh, mate, we really appreciate uh, the time with you today. Graham Leishman, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Matt. God bless Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.